appreciate you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Well, Stan, we are in a, a whole new era of our kind of potting right now because um, I can see you, and this is um, something, right? You you are a, a sight for sore eyes uh, after yeah. these, these troubling, challenging times. This is very strange to be looking uh, into your into your beautiful whatever color eyes you have um, as we discuss our favorite our favorite. Uh, I used to have blue eyes, like that was that was a fact. Um, I don't know. I don't. I think staring at screens for the better part of 15 years has just dulled them to these beady <laughs> things that you see now. Um, it's unfortunate. I used to be handsome, I think, but yeah, I, the same up. thing happened to me. I was I had like very brown eyes, and now they're like almost graying a bit. I don't know if I should be concerned if I should go see a doctor. <laughs> But uh, doesn't seem to be an issue. <laughs> We're just becoming mole people, all of us. <laughs> all pigment is gone. Um, yes. Well, it is good to see you, um, and, and uh, for for lots of reasons. But um, for the for the purposes of this podcast, it means that we are again talking about Husky football, which is uh, a little bit of an absurdity into itself. Um, I just want to to preface everything that we're about to say when we talk about real quote unquote, real stuff um, with this Husky football team that um, it's a little nuts to be talking about college football, given the fact that uh, seven months ago, Ruby, Go Rudy, Ruby, Rudy Gobert was the only human anyone knew on the planet who had been infected with COVID-19. And when that happened, we shut everything down. Uh, now you hear things like, I think the whole team has gotten COVID by now. Um, and <sighs> If, uh, if a guy gets it, that's that's too bad, but at least he gets to keep his eligibility. Um, so we have completely flipped the conversation in seven months and changed our expectations based off of um, basically no information that would cause us to think any differently. But just as a reminder, and, and for anyone who's, who's listening and is still uh, torn or confused about how college football works, it's for the money, folks, and uh, that's that's why we're doing this. Not for our money, not for the college football players' money, uh, but for other people's money. So just had to get that off the top and set the scene for this episode. Yeah, I'm frankly amazed we're talking about college football right now. Um, I had completely, months before the actual season was supposed to start in September, I had completely written off the idea of having college football in my life, uh, especially Husky football. Um, and then all of a sudden, here we are. Uh, a few months later, you know, it'll be November once we start, but it's, it's strange to go from being like, wow, I have all of fall to do whatever with my life on Saturdays, which has never been the case no. ever <laughs> to, uh, oh, wow. Okay. I actually need to figure out who our new offensive coordinator is because I can't remember his name <laughs> and, and like figure out who's still on the team because I completely blocked out sports, at least college football for, you know, several months there. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange. I, I went through, I would be lying if I didn't say I went through a little bit of a crash course to kind of refresh my memory about things when I was preparing for this. So, um, this should be fun. That's healthy. Uh, trust me. Yeah. The, the, the Saturday time, the fall time that has opened up, um, it's unfortunate that it's not like you can do other things with this time, uh, just given, you know, it's not like football got replaced by now you go line dancing or something like that. It's like, <laughs> nope, you just don't do anything. Um, 
but I will say it has been nice to not be up at three in the morning um, for seven Saturdays a fall. That's, that's been nice. Um, and yeah. now it sounds like I'll be waking up early to watch, watch games. Uh, yeah. Not as early as you would be though, but actually be, I'll be in Seattle for most of the season anyways. I'll be in Seattle during November. So forgot about that. That's I'll, exciting. I'll, I'll we'll be, have I'll to be, zoom for it just like you were in Boston. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll be, uh, we'll be having bloody Larry's together at 9am to watch, to watch <laughs> some go. dog games. Um, well, let's, uh, let's do this. A lot has happened within college football, within the PAC 12, within Husky football in the last seven months. I don't even know if we did any spring talk. Um, I honestly couldn't tell you the last our kind of pod we did, uh, uh January bowl game. Yeah. Um, so a lot has happened. And so I'm going to run through that now. So I'm going to, I should have got some water, but um, you're drinking some. So that helps me somehow. Uh, I'm going to run through all the shit that has happened in the last seven months um, as it pertains to um, UW, college football, the Pac-12. Starting on March 13th, um, the Pac-12 canceled their basketball tournaments. So it had been through the, the quarterfinal round. UW had just lost Arizona. I think Wazoo won that night and then they canceled the games. Um, so all of that could put uh, on March 19th, UW canceled the rest of their spring practices and their spring game um, season still TBD at that point. Flash forward to May, uh, May 24th, George Floyd was murdered. Uh, it's an important point for um, the purposes of what athletes are asking for in a, just a few months time after that. On June 17th, a guy named Kevin Thompson transfers to uh, to UW, a grad transfer quarterback from Sacramento State. We'll talk about him a lot later. June 26th, 10% of, um, of the total staff salary for all UW athletic department employees, uh, roughly $5 million was cut in the fiscal year for, 20, for 2021. Uh, at that time, all Husky head coaches agreed to a 5% reduction in salary. Um, so Mike Hopkins, Jimmy Lake, et cetera, uh, and assistant coaches, contract, contract staff, trainers, strength coaches, medical staff uh, asked to accept a 3% minimum pay cut. So uh, the athletic department already starting to feel the, the hurt um, from what is happening. July 10th, all non-conference games get canceled. So the Michigan game um, that was scheduled to be on September 5th uh, in Seattle canceled. Um, July 31st, the Pac-12 approves a 10-game Conference-only schedule set to begin on September 26th. Uh, Larry Scott at the time said, there is no bubble, and a bubble would not be appropriate for college sports and for our campuses. Um, the coded language there is, in order to have a bubble, we would have to pay the players, and we will never pay the players. Um, that would be absurd. No, that's the translation there. <laughs> um, I want that that 10-game schedule, the, the, uh, the conference-only, I want that framed, that, that graphic that they put out there. Um, that that schedule was never going to happen. And uh, it was just hilarious that there was a rush to put out schedule graphics and make people excited again. But with no I frankly don't even remember this. So you can see how long a time this has been for me. I was 0% confident that anything was yeah, going to happen there. That's probably why I don't remember it because I knew it was all BS. Yeah. Um, so I want that framed. August 1st um, is a big development. So the day after that schedule comes out, uh, the Pac-12 Players Coalition starts the hashtag We Are United movement, which threatened to hold out from fall practices and games, which were, again, still going to happen at that point, uh, until its negotiations with the league regarding concerns about racial injustice, their safety during the coronavirus pandemic, and other demands are completed. Um, 
they were never completed, unfortunately. Um, but extremely valid points were made um, by the players there uh, and expressing their voice in a way that I think, frankly, shocked college football in the way that all of a sudden 18 and 19 year olds were uh, asking for things that we hoped that they would never ask for because uh, not we, but the, the powers that be hoped that they would never ask for. August 11th, the Pac-12 CEO group unanimously votes to cancel fall sports through the end of 2020. Um, again, partly in part because they realized uh, they could not supply the, the demands that the uh, Players Coalition was asking for. Um, this was, of course, after the Big Ten also did that. They canceled their fall sports season. August 30th, Joe Tryon, um, an important UW defender, hops out of the 2020 season, enters the NFL draft for this next upcoming year, whatever that is. September 3rd, the Pac-12 announces a partnership. September is a really fun month with, uh, with um, the conference because it really shows some classic Pac-12 ineptitude. September 3rd, Pac-12 announces the partnership uh, with antigen testing company Quidel, um, which it sounds like Riddell, like the football manufacturing company just in disguise. Um, <laughs> we are Quidel now. Uh, to be able to apply daily coronavirus rapid testing to student athletes at all 12 schools, those tests were set to arrive at the end of September at each of the 12 campuses. Uh, on September 3rd, Larry Scott also claims public health restrictions in California and Oregon prohibit starting of football activities. He wants at that time to align with the Big Ten for their football season. So the Pac-12, Pac-12 and Big Ten have simultaneous seasons culminating in a Rose Bowl appearance. Um, on September 10th, UW eliminates 16 full-time positions from the athletic department. Um, that hurt continues. Uh, six days later, September 16th, the Big Ten announces it will resume football season, their football season, uh, starting on October 24th and 25th. Larry Scott says to that, um, so much for the joint season that they wanted to start. He says at this time, our universities in California and Oregon do not have approval from state or local public health officials to start contact practice. We are hopeful that our new daily testing capability can help satisfy public health official approvals in California and Oregon to begin contact practice and competition. At this time, the hangup was uh, allegedly that California and Oregon didn't have, um, well, this is true. They just didn't have restrictions or they had too many restrictions that would make it impossible for um, college teams to play football during that time. Later that day, California Governor Gavin Newsom says there's nothing in the state gui guidelines that denies the Pac-12 <laughs> from having games. Um, so basically, I don't know what Larry Scott Whoops. is talking about. Um, yeah. Again, later that day, Gavin Newsom and Kate Brown, the governor for Oregon, both ease restrictions on football activities. It's almost like all you had to do was ask. Uh, on the 16th, still, Larry Scott says, uh, we appreciate Governor Newsom and, and Governor Brown's support the former of which is consistent with the very productive conversation that he and I had earlier today. Our, our California and Oregon universities will now each individually and immediately reach out to their relevant county public health officials to seek clarification on what is required to achieve the same clearance to resume contact practice and competition. The next day, uh, Levi Onwuzurike, another important defender uh, for UW says F this and says, I'm going to opt out of the 2020 season, uh, enters the draft. Week later, uh, on September 24th, the Pac-12 announces the return of football the weekend of November 7th. Uh, every team will play six games, uh, a division. So you play every team in your division, north or south, plus one. Uh, and then a conference championship weekend um, where one and two play against each other, north winner, south winner, 
uh, and then a, a kind of mirroring across the number two, number two, number three, three, four, four uh, over that weekend. The next day, uh, the USC athletic director, Mike Bone, says, well, when the governor's not having direct contact with the commissioner prior to that, I think that gives you a pretty clear indication, alluding to the fact that uh, before the conversations that happened on September 16th, Larry Scott had no conversations with the governor of California uh, as he was trying to make football happen. So on the from the day uh, that the Quidel partnership was announced on the September 3rd until the 16th, nothing happened. There was no movement between um, the commissioner and the governor to make football try and happen. October 3rd, that schedule was finally released. So uh, we find out we're playing Cal on November 7th. Um, somewhere in between then and now, we find out that uh, the, the Pac-12 is going to fully move forward with 9 a.m. games, probably for the foreseeable future, starting with USC and ASU on November 7th. Uh, and then today, October 8th, the return of the Al Al Pod. That's a lot. Um, September is where things really get interesting. I mean, a lot of stuff was just out of anybody's hands. Uh, other conferences were just pretending like nothing was happening throughout that, but the big 12 or big 10 and pac 12 found themselves in this situation because they did cancel. Um, the September stuff between Larry Scott's announcement of the Quidel partnership and the 16th, we've, we've, we've called for this before. It is absolutely inexcusable if your job is to make sports happen that you are not doing anything for 13 days. Completely agree. I mean, I think the biggest point here is, I mean, as you mentioned, September 3rd, getting that rapid testing agreement in place, that that's what changes everything. So, yeah. you know, you have, you have multiple people. I'm going to, uh, one person in particular, I'm going to refrain from, from saying who, but taking credit for the big 10 coming back. Mm, uh, yes. That is, that is only the big 10 only came back because they too signed an agreement with rapid testing. I don't know specifically with who, but that's the key difference maker here. Um, up until that point, um, I think the PAC 12 kind of got lucky in the sense that, well, this is all coming from my opinion of what, how they should have managed it. I think, I think they did the right thing in that they weren't playing football up until that point. Mm -hmm. um, I think, you know, given the, the amateur status of these players, no representation, et cetera, I think that asking them to then go ahead and play without testing that is sufficient enough to know if there was an outbreak, you know, we need to quarantine this individual or separate these people um, quickly, not having that in place wasn't fair to them. Um, once that testing option did come in place, that agreement, I still am a little bit on the fence, honestly, about it, the whole thing, but I do think it's much better than it would have been without it. So I think the Pac-12 kind of got lucky in the sense they just followed the Big Ten's lead and kind of backed their way into, in my opinion, making the right decision up until that point. But as you mentioned, September 3rd through um, the 16th or whenever, yeah, when they reached out, when, when there was discussion with the governors of Oregon and California, that time frame inexcusable should have been wheels should have been moving immediately once they got that deal in place and realized hey we can actually play football and we can do it uh to to a safe enough extent that we feel comfortable with this 
Totally agree. Yeah. What once once the the Quidel part, partnership happened, my ears perked up of saying, okay, this is this is the requisite. This is what has to be in place if you're going to do this, because otherwise you have run the risk of of having just massive outbreaks and not being able to do anything about it uh, in real time. So that was absolutely what had to happen. I think the Pac-12 probably up until then you could have said did a great job, um, but did not actually express or show a, a sincere desire to move forward with this. Um, other than to announce a great partnership and to do the Larry Scott press tour um, after, after that partnership was announced. And here's, what's going to happen now in two weeks, the big 12 or big 10 will start playing um, on October 24th. Uh, and then two weeks later, the PAC 12 will start playing. No one's going to give a shit. The, the big, the big 10 starting to play and getting college football all the way back. And then you basically have like three or four weeks left of, regular college football and then the Pac-12 is just going to play through that and just kind of show up late to the party. It's like the party's already going and you're starting in week one trying to tell us that UW Cal means something, means the same thing that like, I don't know, LSU Florida does. And it's just, it's, it's, it sucks because they, they could have done this in a way where the big 10 comes back that same week, the 24th. And so does the Pac-12 and you're playing on an even playing field there, but when this this conference already has huge PR problems and has immense problems take, getting people to take them seriously, well, one, you have no opportunities to show how good your teams are because there's no non-conference games. And two, you do shit like this. This is just basic blocking and tackling. Send an email, reach out to the governor, do what you got to do to make football happen once you have set this deal in place and you F it up. Yep. I think, I think, uh, it's worth looking into the mountain West too, who announced their season after the uh, season start after the PAC 12 did. And they're starting a full two weeks sooner, uh, yeah. on October 24th, I believe. Um, I guess there is probably some discussion as to how much lead time these teams need in order to be prepared. So I understand that that's a factor, but, um, yeah, it does put us at a disadvantage. I mean, we've, we're, we all know this, we're already at a disadvantage. A lot of the country doesn't take the PAC 12 seriously. Um, it's just, we continue to, to really shoot ourselves in the foot in this regard, we being the PAC 12. Um, and frankly, it's never going to change until the commissioner is no longer Larry Scott. Fortunately, I think his contract is up next year. Um, there's no way that that will get renewed. I'm pretty confident in that or if, if they do renew it, I mean, I don't know what we're doing anymore because I think it's pretty obvious to the presidents that, uh, you know, he's not very good at his job and he would be fired in a lot of other jobs at this point. So I, I just, another example of the PAC 12 drop, dropping the ball. I will say, however, it is great that they at least are playing because I could see a scenario where we wouldn't play anyways, just because of our incompetence to figure all this stuff out. Yeah. If, if the Quidel deal didn't happen, I don't think, I don't think they would. Um, two of the things no. that I forgot in that timeline, one, you laid Mikey M off. So huge F. Yeah. Boo. Mikey M is, is the network. Uh, you're the PAC 12 network already kind of sucked. Uh, but you take the best talent that you had at the whole thing out of the, out of the equation. Good luck. And then it comes out weeks later that uh, they, they made those cuts. They cut guys like Mikey M. Um, but then also, uh, gave out huge bonuses and Larry Scott himself took huge bonuses during all that. It's just like, I mean, it's just corporate stuff anyways, but just what do you think is going to happen? Do you, do you think like the, these decisions are going to be like John Canzano and John Wilner are going to be like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. It's like, no, these guys <laughs> are going to continue to rip your ass apart every single time uh, you do these, these dumb things. 
And it's just like, all you're doing is just breeding more of the same problems, more public perception across the country that the PAC 12 is a joke, more apathy within your own conference towards, towards football. It's like, well, it's not really a priority tour for, for, you know, for us to even compete at that stage. So I don't know. Uh, and, and this thing is just only going to get worse. So when that vacancy does open and Larry Scott, um, hopefully had commissions on his, his last day of commissioning. Uh, I think if you and I combined our resumes, so it looked like all of our work experience was concurrent. So it's like, we're working like two jobs at the same time that might make mm-hmm. us impressive enough to at least get an interview. Hey, joint, I'm joint down. The joint commissioner of the PAC 12. I can write a great resume. I went to uh, a three week course after college to learn how to write good resumes. So we got that like nailed down for sure. Uh, did this, did this, this was post Red Robin. <laughs> yeah, this was like, holy hell, I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life. <laughs> and now we podcast um, <laughs> from uh, our bedrooms. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm also which, which I don't leave ever because this is also my office and I don't really leave my apartment very often. Well, so we're we're really thriving right now. Nothing sad about that. Uh, yeah, my podcast setup right now is an extended drawer uh, connected to a cardboard box that I can put my other computer on that hangs <laughs> onto my bed. It's um, truly truly spectacular. But we're working on that. Nice. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I, it's kind of just salt in the wound at this point to continue talking about this, but um, in a season it's because here's the other thing. If we were the sec right now, I would be embarrassed, right? The, the, the Georgia scene from, from their game over the weekend where there's just rampant non-mask usage fans in the stands. I'm not sure how happy that would make, that would make me very upset. And that's not what the PAC 12 is going to do. They're going to do this as safe as possible. That's great. However, both things can be true. You can do this as safe as you possibly can, and you can hurry up and do what you need to do. And that's just, we didn't have that. And that's, that's unfortunate, yeah. but I'm, I'm also willing to put that to bed and just talk about, uh, talk about the purple team. Let's do it. All right. Uh, well, we're going to do our normal segments here. Uh, four downs. Um, I think we're, we have to be the only college football podcast in the country that does a segment called four downs, right? It's just so invented. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. no one's thought of that, uh, but we've been doing it for a long time and it, it keeps us organized. So we're going to keep it that way. Uh, we'll start at the top and this is a ceremonial thing. Um, it's the first down is always dedicated to some sort of quarterback bullshit. And uh, there's a guy named Jake involved. Uh, <laughs> so nothing has changed this Weird. year. Uh, it is a kind of a four headed monster in the sense that like there's, there's four guys who have never started a game for, for UW or really even gotten any significant ap- action here. Kevin Thompson, the aforementioned, uh, Jacob Sermon, Dylan Morris, Ethan Garbers. I don't think either of us have any insight on, on who might win this, but thoughts like, like, how do you see this breaking down? Yeah, I honestly, I, like you said, I have no idea. Um, I don't think any of us will have any idea until maybe the day of the cow game. And like Jimmy, like mentioned in his during that game um if i had to guess my guess would be jacob sermon starts he's technically the most experienced um he he played in five games last season all of which was in mop-up duty uh he went for a uh two for three for 19 yards so you know some really some really huge stat lines there um 
but he does have the physical tools. He's 6'5", 235. He has a big arm. Um, he's been in the system for two years. He's redshirted his first year. Um, so I think, I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse. If I had to guess, uh, I have, I have read and I've heard that there are some questions on his leadership capabilities, something that, uh, Dylan Morris, who is the, one of the other quarterbacks in this, in the running for this apparently, uh, brings a lot of that to the table. Um, Morris is a redshirt freshman, so he's only been in the system and in, well, I guess not even system because John Donovan's new, but he's been in the program for a year. Um, he's highly regarded recruit out of Grant Kapowson, but he's a little bit smaller in stature, six foot one ninety three. Um, so those two are the kind of, those two are the returning quarterbacks, uh, Sermon and Morris. And then, like you mentioned, you have Thompson who comes in, um, who, who threw up huge numbers last year for Sacramento state. Uh, he was the big sky conference offensive player of the year. Um, he finished third in Walter Payton award voting, which is for the best player in FCS offensive player in SCS. Um, he was also an FCS all American. Um, he also has something that the other three don't, which is the ability to, to make stuff happen on the ground. He ran for 619 yards rushing and 12 touchdowns last year, uh, five, five yards of carry. So that's something that, that maybe our new offensive coordinator, John Donovan will look at and want to exploit. And that could give him a leg up in the battle. And then lastly, you have true freshman, Ethan Garmers out of Corona Del Mar, who's actually the younger brother of Chase Garbers, the starting quarterback for Cal, uh, Garber, Ethan Garbers went on to win the state title at Corona Del Mar, put up 5,000 passing yards, 71, I think it was, touchdowns, so only six interceptions. So crazy numbers. Um, pretty excited about him. I don't think he's going to be in the running. That's just my gut feel. But um, I think the first three guys that I mentioned are probably the three that you should keep an eye on. And I would even go further to say, I think, and this is, again, just my gut feel, I think it's going to come down to Sermon and Thompson. That's just my feel. I think you summed that up very nicely. Um, I also appreciate you doing the same thing that I'm going to have to do and saying John Donovan's name as much as possible so that I remember it um, as the offensive coordinator, because uh, if it's anything like Bush Hamden, it's going to be a name that's important to remember um, because we'll talk about it often <laughs> in, in uh, often in frustration. Um, I hope not. Yeah. Well, uh, Sermon, Sermon has the history with, uh, of course, putting his name in the transfer portal. I kind of forget when that news happened. Was that, that was when Eason was named the starter ahead of last year. Yep. I believe so. And then him, Yankoff and Hayner all put their names in the transfer portal. Only Yankoff and Hayner actually ended up transferring. That's correct. Yeah. So, so Sermon, something, I mean, Something kept her sermon off off of the the proverbial ledge there to to stay at UW. Promises, assurances happen all the time in college sports. I don't know how much that of that is gonna gonna play into it. Sermon also is is kind of an important name in in UW. I think his his dad is a professor or something like that. Um, his yep. brother or cousin is also on the team. Jackson Sermon is a linebacker. Um, so this, I mean, politics is kind of too small for for. It's that's high school shit. Um, but you never know. And it, it could be something where Sermon is is given every chance to to do this. And you know, we'll we'll see from there. But um, I do think that you're you're um boiling it down to him versus Thompson is important. I think one key factor, and you hit on it with with Thompson's running ability, 
so J- Jimmy Lake just said they don't want a statue back there. And it's like, well, we had a big old statue of Liberty last year, a totem pole uh, <laughs> in Jacob yeah. Easton. Uh, Sermon is more that guy. He, he moves well from what I've seen the, you know, two minutes of Bothell high school highlight film. Um, you know, he's, he's not a brick, um, but he did run a five, one, five forty, like not a guy who's going to, you know, floor you with his athleticism. Whereas you watch Kevin Thompson, you watch his, his grainy ass highlight footage where he's just torching like Montana and stuff. Dude moves. He's mobile. He's got a, got the, the shooting sleeve on. He's like spinning nice. out of the pocket. Um, I can't tell you who's going to win this. I can tell you who I want to win this. Kevin Thompson's fun as hell. I think he's like going to be like, he'll have games where he throws three picks, but he is always looking downfield. He makes plays with his legs. So uh, Kevin Thompson graduated from Auburn Riverside when we were still in college in 2014. He then spent two seasons at UNLV, uh, then three seasons at Sacramento state. And then now is at UW. Uh, where he will have at least two years or at least at least a year plus another year if he wants it uh, with the new eligibility rules. So so by the time Kevin Thompson leaves UW, he could be close to 30, um, which is incredible. Um, but he was the 2019 Big Sky Offensive Player, as you, as you, as you mentioned. Other guys who have, who have won that award, uh, Vernon Adams. And then how many times do you think Cooper Cup won uh, Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year? Well, now that you're asking it, I'm going to say three. <laughs> yes, but that is insane. Nice. Cooper Cup won <laughs> Big Sky Offensive Player of the Year as a freshman, junior, and senior at, at Eastern, um, wow. which is absolutely nuts. That A, that guy got through not to UW or Wazoo um, or Oregon or any local program or Idaho or Boise, um, but went there and tore shit up and then also slipped to the third round in the NFL draft. But anyways... Uh, I, I like Kevin Thompson. Like I said, he makes big plays. He, his eyes are always downfield. Um, I am rooting for it to be him. If it's not him, it's probably cause he sucks. And that the, just the, the, the <laughs> talent difference um, doesn't translate well, but I like how he plays football, if that makes sense. And he's actually played and started games and like he played against Arizona state in a real game and things that kind of matter in this Um so I hope he gets a shot, and I think he will. I think that's why he was brought in there. Do you, so so the the comment on him having two years of eligibility actually is news to me. I just assumed he had one. Um, well, he, is that because everything is frozen from an eligibility standpoint? Exactly. So he has one uh, in theory, but everything is frozen. So whatever you are now, you can do it again next year. Um, so a, a, red shirt, or a red shirt freshman right now is effectively a redshirt freshman next season. This season does not count in terms of eligibility. Um, it's gonna be so weird. Very weird. It's and, great. It's the right thing to do, in my opinion. But and so the the team gets like ten extra scholarships next year. Um, so you you hope that ten guys graduate or matriculate out. But if guys don't want to leave, they don't have to. Um, so it, it's a really sticky situation as far as recruiting, but. Um, Tryon and, and Levi leaving is uh, obviously a good start to that, but that's a perfect segue because we will talk about those guys unless you have other quarterback thoughts. Well, I just speaking of the eligibility, it creates an interesting, um, an interesting situation next year when you have the likes of Sam Heard who comes in, who's you know arguably the best quarterback in the 2021 class. So you're going to have Sam Heard, you're going to have Garbers, Thompson, 
uh, Morris and Sermon. I would I would almost I would bet money that Thompson or sorry I would bet money that Morris or Sermon are no longer in the program next yeah. season, um, unless one of them wins the job and is a starter all year type of thing, which I don't necessarily think will be the case, mm -hmm. like especially for Dylan Morris. So I think this is definitely you're gonna you're gonna see some more uh, turnover in the quarterback room in that regard. Um, you already probably were without this frozen eligibility situation with Thompson, just simply because Heward's coming in, but even more so now, especially if Thompson turns out to be actually legitimate at the FBS level. Yeah. And, and I think Luke, or I always say Luke Heward, Luke Heward is like the, the third reject Heward brother in between Damon and Brock. <laughs> um, but Sam is the name. I, I mean, maybe, maybe it impacts him. I doubt it um, in terms of his decision-making if Kevin Thompson's good, but if Kevin Thompson's good, I don't care. <laughs> like, like however it works out, um, I'm rooting for him. He's he's a cool, fun player to watch. But uh, let's flip to the other okay. side. Uh, we mentioned Joe Tryon, Levi, Levi Owen, uh Both figured to probably be all Pac-12 guys this season. Uh, both are moving on to bigger, bigger and better things. I support both of them in doing that. This season is a cluster and a half. Uh, no reason to risk injury when you have firmly cemented your draft stock um, and you know have. A, a plan to figure it out outside of college football. Totally get it. Um, but this defense has struggled mightily over the last couple of years. You and I have had so many conversations about the word havoc in terms of uh, creating turnovers, creating pressure, getting to the quarterback uh, has been a big problem of this defense of the last couple of years uh, and has put way too much strain on the defensive backfield to try and cover for six, seven seconds of, of an entire play. And now they just lost the two guys guys who are best equipped at doing that so for for a defense that was already <laughs> deficient in uh taking down quarterbacks you are taking the two guys out of that equation who were the best at it um for the huskies over the last couple of years um two guys are really fun to watch two guys with a lot of experience um i don't know how they're going to fill it <laughs> but you might have a better idea at least of of the names who could uh who could fill those voids one thing that's working in our favor in this regard is um, the D line is is pretty deep. It's one of the deeper positions, at least from position groups from a talent standpoint. I would say, on the team, um, we got to keep in mind that uh, I think it was the 2019 class was arguably the best defensive line cl recruiting class we've ever brought in as a football program. I mean, you have the likes of uh, Fatui Tuatele. Uh, Jacob Bandez, Noah Nagalu. Where you just shine when it's, when it's <laughs> pronunciation time. It's always it's always the uh, it's always the D lineman too. But um, you have those three individuals that were all redshirted last year. Uh, Tuatelli did play in four games, but he is um, obviously he was still able to red redshirt. Um, so you have those three that are now available to play. You also have the likes of Josiah Bronson returning. He was granted a sixth year um eligibility so he's returning he was a starter last year uh, so that's big and then you have guys like uh your favorite Tuli Latuli Gasanoa and Sam Four Taimani better yeah oh yeah both of them um they played in a, you know a lot of minutes last year they I don't think either of them ever got a start but they played in 12 of the 13 games they're part of the rotation which we know um on defense especially on the G line the the coaching staff likes to rotate in a lot of players so they do have a lot of experience um, and they're all highly regarded players coming out of high school. So 
Um, not as much experience on that side of the ball, but uh, you have guys that should be able to perform at this level. So uh, honestly, I'm as as big of a loss as it is to lose Levi and to lose Joe Tryon, um, specifically D-line. I think that's a really exciting position group to keep an eye on just because there's some really talented guys that we're going to be able to finally see play this year. Um, I wouldn't say... I mean, I kind of regard Joe Tryon as a linebacker, so he can get more into the linebacker, outside linebackers yeah. if you want. But um, we do, we, I mean, I don't think there's as much depth there. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Bronson is probably the guy who benefits the most of this, will, will become a full time fixture. He also changed his number to 11. Um, and anytime a D lineman oh. changes their number, getting close down to sing- single digits, you know they're good. Um, and so Bronson having the, uh, the license to do that, I think was, um, was, was a nice thing. Um, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, NCAA football dynasty, like rankings or ratings increase from year one to year two, um, that just randomly hinted out the guy got like six points better in overall. Uh, that's what happened to Bronson by, by the, the numerical shift. Uh, Jacob Andes is a guy that I, I like, I, I, I think, um, was much better. Ballyhooed coming out, uh, played in a couple games last year. Um, I think he's probably in the mix, like you said. Um, but yeah, linebacker is far more interesting because linebacker includes a name that is at least uh, has a little bit more cachet um, that might benefit from that. Uh, and that would be Savelle Smalls. Do you think that that this opening um, that Tryon vacated, leaving you know the the vacated hole that it now provides, is a direct shot for him to play right off the bat, or is that is that just too soon, or <laughs> nobody effing knows i mean yes yeah, savelle smalls is a is a once in a decade type type defensive talent i think um he could very much be just a designated pass rusher which basically is i mean i don't know i don't know if i would say that was try on but it definitely was try on specialty um so uh i'm gonna be completely honest with you and i shouldn't admit this i completely forgot about savelle smalls <laughs> that's how long it's been yeah um so as you said that i'm like oh man i forgot that's great yeah so i'm, I'm actually a little more bullish um as we speak on that um you also have the likes of ryan bowman who's obviously um pretty experienced in this department he posted five and a half sacks last season um so he's coming in i believe he's a senior this year uh and then you have uh, returners in the middle, like Edifon Ilifoshio, Jackson Sermon, MJ Defisi, um, who all saw game time last year. So at least there is some experience returning there. Um, and then you have guys who who are sophomores and highly regarded to uh, Laitu Latu and Zion Tupuola Fatui, um, who's, who are people you should keep an eye on as well, because they will definitely be in the mix at outside linebacker. Yeah, a lot of a lot of stars there, just in in the the twenty four seven ranking sense of four yeah. or five star or not five star, but four four star guys littered through um, that section of the defense. I'm confident that someone will, will come out of that group. Um, it's just at a certain level, you need really really talented guys, and I don't know if we have that yet. Smalls obviously has the the profile to be that, um, but you know the the ten sack type of guy that Tryon could have been there's that guy just doesn't exist in the roster, at least at this yeah. point. Um, yeah. and that's, but you know, you got to remember Joe Tryon, he basically was an unknown when he kind of broke on the scene. At least he was for me. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't, I don't think he was highly regarded coming out of high school from a recruiting standpoint. Um, but all of a sudden he was like the real deal and he was our, our best pass rusher. So 
I fully expect uh, somebody on the roster right now is going to, you know, kind of ascend into that role. Um, it could it could definitely be someone we haven't even listed because there's a lot more talented guys down the list here um, that aren't necessarily going to get the first reps, but they could prove otherwise, you know, once we get more practices under our belt. So, yeah, who knows? It's it's always, you know, it's always next man up in college. And because all these guys are pretty highly regarded from a recruiting standpoint, it's we have no reason to not believe that they that they can fill that those shoes eventually. Yeah, the, the strength of this defense, regardless of of anything that we just talked about who fills these spots is the, is the back half, right? The, the secondary is, is established. I, I get excited, much more excited talking about those guys. Um, the, the cornerback setup of, of Keith Taylor, Trent McDuffie, Elijah Molden, Kyler Gordon, um, those four probably all, all of them could start at any other program, at least in the PAC 12, a lot of other com- or big time programs across the country. Uh, Ace Turner, Cam Williams, both got better as the season went on last year uh, to play safety behind them. So it's that that is going to be fun um, once the ball's in the air and those guys can make plays. Uh, I just wonder, can the, the guys in front of them create enough pressure and turnovers um, to, to ease the slack on those guys? But uh, overall, I think obviously with um, Jimmy Lake being the head coach, your defense is always going to be in good hands. Uh, it's just what does it look like? And that's that's kind of the, the rub here. The, One the, name you you mentioned there really quickly, Cam Williams. I'm definitely excited to or interested to see how he comes out because uh, he was one of those guys that started as a true freshman, which was rare to see, and especially in such a um, a good, you know, a talented group in the secondary. But I think he was prone to some big errors last year, especially kind of um, pursuit angle things like that. So if he's been able to kind of iron those issues out. Um, I think he could have a big season and a big act, impact for the Huskies. Yeah, his his Zoom pursuit angles have been great. Um, his his uh, how how the hell do you even do anything like that uh, over Zoom? Um, prop, props to football coaches who their their entire worlds changed. That's, that's all. Yeah. Um, well, the the third point here is the schedule in terms of just things to talk about. That's at least a tangible one that's out. Uh, UW opens the season at Cal. Um, I might as well just go game by game here for me, the idea of opening or playing Cal in an empty stadium is a little, little haunting, uh, given what happened last year, um, in a game that you were a part of, um, the, 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 the storm game and not the Seattle storm game, uh, MWBA champions, but the other type of storm, um, that one scares me a little bit, uh, with the aforementioned Chase Garbers, who is just one of those effing guys it was just like third and six he's picking it up with his feet um not afraid to take shots downfield obviously came into husky stadium and beat us uh last year and beat us in berkeley the year before that's a really tough game i think to start off with yeah i mean this this team goes as cal goes as far as chase garbers goes he yeah. uh when he was injured last year it was night and day um, he's, he kind of re- like, he kind of reminds me of a Russell Wilson in that, like he puts Cal on his back when yep. he plays. And if it wasn't for him, they would be not very good. And they weren't very good when they didn't have him last year. Um, what you know is Justin Wilcox will be running a very disciplined defense, a very good defense. They don't have, um, Weaver. Uh, it was his first name, Evan, Evan Weaver. Uh, I'm getting that yeah. right. Destroyer yeah, they, of dreams, Weaver. Yeah. Just just, you know, tackling everything that that comes within 
15 yards of him. Um, they don't have him anymore, which, which helps because he was a, you know, absolute backbreaker for us last year. But, uh, you know, you're going to see a good defense. They, I'm, the name is escaping me, but one of their really highly regarded cornerbacks just opted back in. So yes. he, he will be playing for them. Um, so yeah, I, I expect a low scoring game. I expect a tough game. It's definitely by no means a pushover of a team. They're, they're, technically rated higher in the media poll, even though the media poll doesn't really mean anything um, just to give you some context here. So um, it's going to be a tough game. I think, I think we are good enough. We're talented enough to win, but a lot of that will come down to how consistent and uh, smart our starting quarterback will play. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be nothing obvious there. (laughs) It's going to be a debut of a new quarterback and new offensive coordinator. Um, a new head coach. I mean, for all intents purposes, this is this is Jimmy Lake's first first game as a head coach. I don't know if that's a game I expect to win, um, and that would be unfortunate to start the season off a six game season off with a loss. Um, but it's just that, that's a that's a big deck stacked against you. Uh, but after that, you come home, you play Oregon State, um, go Beavs, but not when they play the Dogs. It's just a rule. Um, I think getting them early while they're still trying to figure out their quarterback situation. Um, not that being in Seattle means anything different than being in Corvallis this year. Uh, but I think that that's, that's probably one that you can look at positively, even though the the arrow is still pointing up with that Oregon state program and then Arizona. And I, I never know how good Arizona is going to be when I expect Arizona to be really good as I did last year. I think I picked them to win the South last year with Khalil Tate. They were horrible. Khalil Tate was a mess. Uh, Khalil Tate's gone. I did do some research and now they just, okay, got- I was just looking that up. <laughs> And now they just have a bunch of like tall white guys who, you know, might be good. I have no idea. One of them, I think, is Rich Rodriguez's kid, uh, as, no as the quarterback, Rhett Rodriguez, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. Wow. Um, I don't know how good Arizona is, but that's that's probably a game that you win. Um Yeah. Yeah. I um again, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the media poll, but they did finish last. They're last in the preseason media poll. In so. the South. In the entire conference. Oh, wonderful! If you if you if you compare the actual like points that they received, yeah. Well, uh, as the as as we said, every team getting one team from the south and one team from the, or every south team getting one team from the north to play, uh, and vice versa. That's about as good as a draw as you could possibly get schedule wise to get Arizona out of that. Uh, and then, as it always is in week four, the Apple Cup, <laughs> uh, which is just so freaking weird. It's 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 not because it's the same weekend that it always would be, but it feels like Iowa, Iowa State, or Oklahoma, Texas, where it's just like that early season rivalry. That's like this is happening already. Um, that's going to be really really strange. But uh, in Pullman, always it could very well could be snowing again. It'll feel normal. It won't count. Still, still, right, right, right. Once, once the the frosted flakes come out of the sky, uh, the game is 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 null and void. Um, but yeah, it's that I, I don't know. Again, I don't I don't know with with Wazoo with Rolovich how things are going to go. Um, I don't know what their quarterback situation is. It's just a lot of uncertainty there that you think that you know would probably have the advantage there. But I don't know. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember that. Nick Rolovich was the head coach of Hawaii last mm-hmm. year. We played Hawaii. We beat Hawaii. We're familiar with his style of offense. He runs the run and shoot, which is kind of a unique offense. Um, you don't see that played very often anymore in college football, but um, it is technically on a short week. So that's something to keep in mind too. 
Um, I still think that the Huskies are going to win that. I mean, we've seen, we've seen this happen over what, eight, eight straight, seven straight seasons now. Um, so, so nothing, you know, you, you would expect to win that game. Um, frankly, if, if I'm go back a few games, that cow game is probably the second hardest game in the schedule. You get the two hardest games bookending your schedule yep. that's at Cal and then uh, at Oregon. And then everybody in between that are, are not very great, to be honest. I think of those four teams, Stanford's probably the best of the four um, and they come December 5th. Uh, but I think we should also probably expect to beat Stanford. At least I do. So I, if I had to guess on a, if I, if I'm probably jumping the gun here a bit, but if I would had to guess on a, regular season uh record my guess would be uh four and two yeah probably four and two i feel like that's a realistic um uh, with maybe maybe a, a max or a high of five and one i think we're definitely going to lose a game yeah that, that stanford game too is a little tricky i mean davis mills the quarterback there absolutely torched the huskies uh for most of that game he kind of tailed off um but in one of the more aggravating Husky games in recent memory that last year, um, just finding guys wide open downfield. Um, not, uh, uh, him and Garbers have both given the Huskies trouble, um, but that's in Seattle. Uh, always feel better playing Stanford away from the farm. It just it's a little weird down there. Um, yeah. And then, like you said, Oregon for all the marbles. I think that's probably a, a master stroke of the uh, the scheduling here within the conference. That's a game that's obviously. Um, probably the most heated rivalry in the conference at this point uh, at, as the last game of the season, uh, maybe to decide the winner of the Pac-12 North winner goes to the championship. Uh, good storylines baked into that one. Um, if you flip those Oregon and Cal games, I feel like I'd, I'd much, I'd be much more excited about both of them. If they were in the opposite position, getting Oregon in the, the sixth game of the season where they also have a quarterback figured out uh, and getting Cal in the sixth, in, in the, the sixth game of the season, in theory, when UW would have a quarterback figured out, uh, would be a much better position. Um, but it is what it is. And that's, I think, the problem here is Oregon is in the same place UW is, where there are guys that they are confident in, just don't know who yet. Uh, and by that sixth game, I would imagine both teams have uh, a much better uh, grip on that. Um, or Oregon's got Anthony Brown from Boston College, the grad transfer. And then the other guy, Tyler Slock or whatever, who I think is the the, the home product um, that might work out. But the rest of that Oregon team is stacked, although they have received uh, two, um, the, what I don't know what the word is, dropouts um, from from uh, Penny Sewell, the best lineman in the country, uh, and Javon Holland, who is up there with Elijah Molden for you know top tier defensive back in the country. So uh, the, the Ducks are always going to be good. They got that good thing going there. That last game, it, uh, it's 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 in Eugene. I don't. There might be fans by then. There, there were there was kind of an allusion to the fact that like the, the the policy on fans might change as as time goes on, but as we predict the course of the virus, I just I, I don't see that happening. Um, so I don't know. There's that I don't know is the theme of of this episode. <laughs> yeah, another player you mentioned there that opted out for Oregon was Brady Breeze, um, who Bruce played Bay. a. Yeah, exactly. This is with a Z though, not an S. Mm. Um, but I think he had a huge, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he had a huge game in the conference championship game yeah. uh, last season, but uh, that's another big loss for them. But honestly, I like, again, I'm going to be realistic here. I I think that 
Ducks unfortunately take that game. Uh, they're just incredibly talented. Um, as much as I hate to say that because I can't stand them, as you know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's a rivalry game. You, you always have a chance. So, and I think the Huskies definitely do have a shot. Um, it's just going to be really tough. Yeah, I think overall, looking at this schedule holistically, uh, avoiding USC or ASU in that South game was huge. Uh, those are probably two of the probably the two best quarterbacks in the conference, um, and Keaton Slovis and, and JT Daniels, at least how they performed last year. Um, so avoiding that. Um, out of the six teams you play, only Cal and Stanford have a quarterback that's ever, I think, really had any experience uh, at the, the Pac-12 level um, wow. with Garbers and Davis Mills. Both of them are undefeated against UW, so that doesn't really help anything. Um, I think it's overall favorable, but I just I, I don't know how good this Husky team is to even measure it against anything. So, yeah, good schedule, but um, do you have a team that can actually take advantage of that? No idea. No clue. It sucks. Hey, it sucks for the Cougs. They got USC as their crossover game. So I'm definitely yeah. uh, happy that we, we drew Arizona. USC is in the, the Arizona mode too, where anytime you expect them to be good, they are a disaster. Um, and then <laughs> when they're uh, bad again, then they become plucky and, and uh, are really good offense. So yeah, uh, up is down in this conference as always, but um, I think you can count, count on the CW team to be consistent and solid in a lot of areas. Um, I like the skill position guys. That we probably didn't get a chance to talk to, to talk about today, but who's throwing it to them, uh, how, how well this defense looks, what this offense even looks like. Just too many questions to, to try and say, this is a championship contender or anything this, this year. Uh, because, because we're in a video format, I just have to say, and, and this won't be a, a video video thing, but the, can you explain what you have going on in your room right now? It is amazing. Yeah, this is a Philips Helite. I can change it to any color I want, and I can do it via my Amazon Alexa. So I thought I'd throw up some purple here and just kind of set the set the mood a bit while we talk dogs. I've already taken like four screenshots of you, so so don't worry about that. <laughs> but um, I, I'll, put, I'll put those up on Twitter or something. But you got the Love shirt it. that blends into it. Like, you have, this is... Uh, right. I'm back. Hey, we're back, baby. It's football season. Meanwhile, I'm recording off of a box and my internet is garbage. And... <laughs> Uh, wow. You, you've really, you've really taken off on me in the, the last year here. Uh, let's move to, to fourth down, which is reacting to the only thing that we have left to react to really, which is what Jimmy Lake has been saying to the media um, uh, over the last few weeks. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I did kind of a deep dive on all the, the stuff Jimmy said over um, since, since the, the announcement that the conference is going to uh, start play again. Uh, the funniest thing to me was, well, it's a couple of funny things, but on the 23rd, he said, uh, you haven't seen any delays or postponements in the NFL um, because of their rapid testing setup. And now here Whoops. we are <laughs> when it seems like every five seconds, there's a new NFL player diagnosed uh, yeah. with COVID-19. But uh, what have, what have you found interesting from what uh, Jimmy Lake or anyone else in the coaching staff has said to the media? Well, now that I think of it a bit, think about it a bit more, it doesn't surprise me as much, but I've, I've been intrigued by the fact that Jimmy Lake and many other coaches in the conference have expressed their, um, how they, how they actually do like these 9am kickoffs that we're going to have mm. this year. Um, I think it has to do with not sitting around all day waiting for your game and just kind of, you know, getting it over with. Um, I personally am not for it. If there are fans in the stands, if there aren't fans in the stands, I'm kind of indifferent. Um, yeah. And I think it, there's actually some positives to it because um, 
as opposed to having a game that ends at 11 o'clock Pacific time, um, you never see those highlights because you get yep. to Sunday and then it's all NFL. Yep. So at least when you're starting at nine Pacific, you know, noon East coast, you're going to have, you know, eight hours or so of highlights that are going to run on every, every sports channel for the rest of the day. So that's a positive. And then two, the rest of the country will watch it. So that's also a positive, or you would hope they watch it, or they have the option to watch it because they're not asleep. They are um, awake. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So <laughs> they're at, they're at the minimum that they need to be in order to take in Pac-12 football, right. which is a win. Their brains um, are operating in function. <laughs> but that being said, it, if once once we do get fans back in the stadium, I'm going to be very very anti nine a.m.s. I still am all for twelve thirty. I love a twelve thirty. Um, it means you know I can have a mimosa and not feel weird about drinking mimosa at like four in the afternoon. But um, so I think that that's something to keep an eye on too is how they move into future seasons with its 9 a.m. kickoff. So I know I kind of d- went down a rabbit hole there on 9 a.m.s, but that's one thing I found interesting. Um, another thing I found interesting from Jimmy Lake specifically is he alluded to players having to play multiple positions, especially on the uh, offensive line. Yeah. Um, just as a result of we don't know who's going to either get hurt, who, who uh, God forbid, but who might contract COVID-19. Um, just what that depth's going to look like. So he said, you know, Luke Wantenberg, Jackson Kirkland, they're for sure going to be in your starting offensive line, but they could be playing multiple positions across the entirety of the season. So something to keep an eye on, not only in the offensive line, but, you know, throughout the team is kind of that shuffle of positions and where people are playing. Um, And then honestly, like a lot of it's just coach speak. I think we'll know know more tomorrow. Uh, Jimmy Lake's think his kickoff press conference or something is technically tomorrow and he's going to go through the roster. So we'll hopefully have more to talk about uh, in that regard on our next pod. But a lot of it is just kind of, like I said, coach speak. Yeah. I think in terms of just his general demeanor and obviously he's new, right. He hasn't, he hasn't been a head coach for multiple decades like Chris Peterson had, but his demeanor is very much more warm than I think Chris Peterson's was towards the end of it. And we all know how it, how it went down with Chris Peterson. He found himself not really finding much joy in the job and maybe that, that carried over uh, into the media, but this is a guy who was um, borderline cantankerous towards the idea of the media. Uh, I think Jimmy Lake is a lot more embracive of, of media and new media in terms of what that looks like for, um, for, for what college football in 2020 and how it's covered. Um, so I think that's ultimately a good thing. And I think that just comes down to his energy and his, his understanding of how that's a tool uh, in a lot of ways. So that, that's good. Obviously it gives us more to talk about. Um, but that is, that is one, one component of this. And, and it, one way that I, th- I felt that that manifested was uh, he under multiple times got kind of this platform to give his stump speech for the 16 playoff and advocate for that. Um, as soon as the microphone's in front of him, he's saying, you know, here's, here's the proposal. Here's how this should look. Um, and in a conference that lacks banner carriers, uh, becoming one yourself is a, is a great way to just kind of start that process and move it forward. And so, uh, I like that part of it for sure. In terms of just tidbits on the roster, I think, um, it's so hard to visualize what this John Donovan thing is going to look like. They say pro style, they say multiple, uh, lots of tight ends attack the field. I get it. I get all that. And then he's saying, you know, how uh, te- teams like 
the air raid teams aren't, aren't successful because they don't run the ball. Um, so I think the element of balance, like the conventional sense of balance is still something that he prioritizes, whether that's valid or not. Um, it's a different story. Um, obviously college and pro are different, different worlds, but you're seeing pro football explode right now with offense because the passing revolution is hit passing on early downs is hit. Um, and I, I, I worry that what Jimmy Lake is talking about with, with John Donovan is are things that, um, sound good, but are antiquated and not actually backed up by, um, you know, analytics in terms of how well they succeed. I worry about that. Uh, the Kevin Thompson thing, I think he, he talked about the, the specific experience that he brings um, to, to the quarterback room. Um, so whether he's playing or not, I, I think he still will value what he brings there. Uh, but I did have to laugh um, when he was talking about uh, on the, the, the Jimmy Lake show with, with uh, Tony Castrocone, friend of the pod, and Softy, not a friend of the pod, um, what he was talking about with them, which was how these guys have stayed ready. And he said, quote, uh, this is what these guys do for a living uh, in reference to his players, um, which is not true. Literally the opposite. They do not, <laughs> do not make money off of uh, what you were asking them to do. Um, Whoops. But it sounds nice, uh, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, w- I, I will give them credit. It, everything I've seen on social media, it seems like the players have stayed, you know, kind of up to speed and, and kept sharp in this weird time. Um, granted, you know, who knows, but that's just what I see. Um, I, one thing I'm actually uncertain of speaking of that is have the Huskies had any advantage from the ability to practice when other schools haven't like in California, Oregon, are you, are you aware of that? I don't really know. They talked about these pajama practices that they were able to have, um, (laughs) since, since the restart, but I don't, I don't think that they really could do much, um, without like the PAC 12 sanctioning across the board. Um, were they actually wearing pajamas? (laughs) No, this, this is like sweats and, and, (laughs) um, pajama practice is what you probably could have called, uh, one of our Turkey bowl games, um, from a few years ago. Um, (laughs) but they, they didn't have the restriction California did where you couldn't have, you know, more than 12 people doing something. So if 20 guys wanted to do a workout, that was still possible in theory. Sure, um, sure. So maybe that gives you an advantage. I don't really know. Um, but can't hurt. No. Um, anything else on, on Jimmy before we close this as only we can. I mean, I'm just, I'm excited for him. I, this is, this is probably a long time coming for him. And, um, you know, he finally is getting a shot that to be the head head guy. So, um, I hope it goes well. I obviously am a huge Jimmy Lake fan. He's been great for this program on the defensive side of the ball and just in general, so, um, yeah, he deserves it and, um, definitely going to go out there, you know, pulling for him this year. Yeah. I think if, uh, I would be much more optimistic about this season, if, um, Kellen Moore was the offensive coordinator instead of John Donovan, but that would be cool. <laughs> it would be very cool, but I just, it, it's, I just need to see it with John Donovan and see if anything has changed. Um, uh, and mm-hmm. really what, why this, this staff seems to be the, at least they say they are uh, really high on him. Uh, but we'll yep. find out on November 7th. Uh, okay. We end this pod. If you are new to this, if this is the first preview episode, you're just hopping in, you're looking for something to listen to ahead of this season. Uh, well, first of all, thank you. Um, but we end this pod always with two things. Uh, one is the great cat of the week. And the great cat is in reference to former uh, University of Washington uh, 
coach, could you say that, or steward of the program, um, guy guy with a whistle, uh, Tyrone Willingham, um, who was uh, who was uh, abysmal as as the coach. Uh, but in, in an interview that he was doing with Mitch in the morning uh, on KGR, we mu- I must have been a sophomore in high school, probably. So this is like 2008 or nine. Um, Mitch had asked him something along the lines of like, how do you stay focused or how do you stay sane? Uh, and Tyron Willingham's answer uh, was, well, we have a great cat. And um, it was just an epic, epic line from a guy who was really confusing and hard to understand. Um, and a joke at that point yes it, like why is he still here and he said we have a great cat um <laughs> i have a great cat too but i wouldn't i wouldn't say that that's what absolutely keeps me sane and it's just, <laughs> i don't know um so great cat gets handed out to um the somebody who who has drawn our ire uh normally it's over the week from from the weekly episodes this is for the entire pandemic you're handing out a, a great cat award uh, the first great cat award of, of 2020 goes to who Michael Stanton. Uh, I mean, my first thoughts here obviously go in a political direction. So um, yes. that is truly who my great cat is. Uh, the, I save, think you can... the savior of the big 10. <laughs> yes, exactly. The savior yeah. of the big 10. Um, I will, but to give a, another answer, I will say non-mask wears at this point, if you're not wearing a mask, you're definitely a great cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that is true. Um, I would. Uh, I'm going to hand mine out to Dave Softy Muller. Um, oh, there we go. <laughs> and any anyone in the the football at all costs, uh, these kids have to play. Let these kids play. Crowd. Um, Joel Klatt, Danny Cannell, anyone in this this world who just. <sighs> it's as if they will die if college football didn't happen this year. Um, granted, their their income is related to it, but I just got really sick of the people who um, seem to have been completely wrapped up in the idea that um, the just sheer playing of football was somehow this virtuous thing that mattered so much to kids and that society as we know would, would crumble to a, to a pulp if football didn't get played um, and not realizing that that's actually not the worst thing that would ever happen. Um, would actually give these kids bodies and brains another year to, to recover and, and do this safely and not try and shoehorn this in here for a couple extra bucks. Um, but here we are, it's happening. You know, you got your wish, but the people who are just like, you know, this has to happen without saying how it would happen or why it should happen. Uh, I got really frustrated with you uh, over the last seven months. I, th- I think we also need to throw in the big 10 parents and especially yeah. like the Iowa and Nebraska ones. <laughs> I just remember hearing a clip of a uh, Iowa dad, uh, fo- the dad of one of the football players at Iowa. And he was like, you know, if we got to, we got to learn how to live with this. And, you know, so we got to play football. It's like, okay. Couldn't you also say that learning how to live with this would be not playing football. Um, yep. So I don't know that, that got really annoying because I think it's, I've made it clear on this episode that I think the big 10 and pac 12, um, technically handled it the right way, at least initially until the rapid testing became available. Um, we can dissect, you know, intricacies of how they could have been better during that time period. But I think overall they did it the right way. Um, and that just whole the big 10 parents thing got really, really annoying to me because it, again, again, it goes along the lines of 
the media individuals that you just discussed, but you know, they're kind of completely looking past the overall issue here. And they're just saying, you know, like if we don't have football, you know, life is over essentially, which is obviously not the case at all. I amazingly come to terms with not having football and I was almost kind of looking forward to it in some regards, but um, yeah, I throw, I throw the big 10 parents in there as well. Yeah. Scary crowd. Um, They're the the people who just, you know, life is football and, and there, there's it's just an inc- incongruous thought to think that football wouldn't happen. Um, yep. So that's a little scary. And hey, we we podcast about this, like we give a shit. Like this is a, extremely important to us um, and something sure. that we really enjoy. But like, if it can't happen, it can't happen. And that's like the, you just move on, you figure it out. And like, <laughs> we would have been fine in doing this again in 2021. Um, yeah, it's, or you it's, don't, or you just sit here in this room and wait for the pod to start for months and, and change the colors to, to be yeah. <laughs> different shades. Um, okay, any, any other great cats, or, or do we do the other one now? The pandemic itself is is uh, quite the great cat, though I will say. Yeah, for um, sure. So the other the other one we do is our uh, OKG of the pandemic, and the OKG is of course a, an acronym that. Um, is a tribute to uh, almost the late Chris Peterson. He's not dead. He's not the coach anymore. Um, the uh, former coach of the Washington Huskies uh, who uh, gave out the OKG moniker, uh, our kind of guy um, for, for guys that were um, recruitable, coachable, whatever um, that the program looked highly upon um, and uh, kind of became a joke, but also is kind of a, a definitely real thing. And, and, you know, has helped the Huskies have like what the number one APR and, the country and do kind of cool stuff um, outside of the field um, and court and all the different things that uh, Chris Peterson has left in the program. Uh, my first guy here is to Joe Tryon for his role in the players coalition. Um, no nice. lies came out from anything that those guys were talking about in terms of systemic injustices, um, both in terms of how players are treated with their health, um, racial injustice, um, the, you know, the monetization of, um, of football and basketball at the, at the expense of other sports, cutting other sports so that those sports can continue, um, not paying the players. All of those things are real and true. Uh, and so I, I applaud Joe Tryon and any of those, the, the, the people involved with that um, for taking the risk and stepping up and saying that. Um, I'm not sure how well they were listened to, but uh, that was not easy. And I hope is a, um, harbinger of things to come um, from college athletes using their voice to ask for things they deserve. Yep. Completely agree. I mean, they, they have, they have to, they don't have any representation really. So it's yeah. not, it's refreshing to see them actually step up and, and take that on. So I completely agree there. Um, I have two, although one of them has definitely um, maybe lost some value in this regard uh, just it, during this podcast. And that's a uh, uh, zoom. <laughs> um, we've, had, we've had some troubles with zoom on this on this episode uh but uh i don't know what skype's doing i don't know why they weren't the one that really ran with this um but zoom is obviously the the medium in which that has springboarded since this started so props to them um zoom, but my zoom, my zoom is in like the uber range where zoom zoom became a noun a verb an adjective yeah uh it's incredible overnight yeah yeah who needs house party and all that random stuff when no, you got zoom get out of here. yeah yeah exactly um so th- that's my first one but the truly my my okg of the pandemic i'm gonna throw tony fauci out here because okay. um 
I don't know how that guy hasn't internally combusted out of frustration at this point. Um, but everything, everything I hear from that guy is uh, factual, which is refreshing, or at least I think it's factual. <laughs> and then two, uh, he's actually just kind of an interesting guy. Um, he was like, I think the captain of his high school basketball team and just seems like a cool dude in general and has lived a pretty, pretty awesome life and does, has done a lot for, for the medical community in this country. So, um, I'm going to throw Tony Fauci in there just because he deserves something at this point. Uh, a one-time commit to university of Washington basketball. Really? No, made that up, but <laughs> okay. I was like, Oh my, <laughs> I was uh, just trying to connect him to, to the purple and gold for something, yeah. but yeah, uh, Washington DC, at least he's, he's killing it over there. Um, had you for a second. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was going to be floored by that. <laughs> Mine is, uh, is of course, Miles uh, MF Gaskin. Uh, nice. Gaskin is effectively the starting running back in Miami, um, and I'm not surprised at all by that. Uh, it wasn't a huge depth chart to really beat out, but um, not the first time. He has not seemed like the guy that should win a, a job and then just taken it, ran with it, and excelled. Um, so huge props to him. I thought he should have gone pro after his junior year to give himself a better chance, keep his legs fresh. He chose to stay uh, to play with his bros. It's literally what he said. Uh, and that was a decision that, you know, may, may have cost him money, may have cost him some time on his legs. It's working out for him now. I hope he can uh, do what running back struggle to do, which is to get paid um, after, you know, initial success as, as a young player. But um, I would not bet against him on anything. And I love seeing him, uh, perform well in the NFL. And you, you'll be happy to know that he is rostered on my fantasy team, a team in which uh, has the lowest amount of points for in the uh, league so far. Mm, but, you know, great. he's on my team. I am yeah. also having several seasons from hell uh, in the fantasy department. Um, just Did I, you draft Saquon Barkley? No, just, just oh, okay. lots of other dumb stuff. I uh, yeah. I am at this point rooting for the season to fall apart so that everyone else, <laughs> so that no one wins this year because I'm definitely there. Done. You go. Um, all right. Well, we are done. We've, we've cleared the Google Doc here. Uh, we're back at it. Felt good. Felt natural. Uh, feel limber again. Um, we'll be we'll be doing this. I don't know if we'll do this next week, but. Um, yeah, as, as, as there's more stuff to talk about, obviously uh, plenty of guys on the team that we didn't get a chance to talk about. Either way, we're back in the horse. Uh, we will keep doing this until they shut the lights off or, you know, the entire Pac-12 is infected or <laughs> wh whatever. Uh, yeah. But Stan, thanks for doing this as always. Uh, go dogs. Go dogs. Appreciate you uh, rolling with the punches with the technology.